Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Paul Edwards, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. I am overjoyed to have all of you with me on ACB Radio Mainstream, and those of you who are with us on Zoom, we will get to you a little later. I'm really excited about today's program. Um, I got a chance to uh, hear about Anna Kim Lan uh, Macaulay from uh, Terry Pacheco, who is also my co-host. Hello, Terry. Good evening, Paul. Excellent. And Anna um, has an interesting story to tell us, and I think that all of you will find it interesting. And just before I go any further, let me tell you that you can read more about Anna in a book that I mentioned in my announcement. But if you haven't read it yet, it's called Miles from Home, and it's available on Bard. Recommend that everybody read it. And after tonight, I think you'll want to. Um, It's a pretty exciting uh, book that tells a pretty exciting story and uh, and in some respects a pretty scary story. So, Miss Anna, welcome. Hi, everybody. We are so glad that you're with us this evening. And I'm glad to be here and thank you for inviting me. You're more than welcome. So, Anna, you were not born in the United States. You were instead born in North Vietnam. Is that right? Yes. And and for the first eight years of your life, you were not blind either. That is also correct. Right. I had 20-20 vision. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about life in your village and a little about your house. Uh, okay. My house is that really a house is a hut. It's a very yeah. small hut. And uh, it made out of mud and log of wood. And what they do is they, and they got not really mud that you play with a mud pie, it's clay actually, mm-hmm. and they just pile instead of brick they have the log, so one down at the bottom then put some more uh, clay on it, then another log on top of it, they keep building up like a pyramid, and that's how we live it because the weather is very hot, so we don't really need a lot of insulation, and then the top is just um, a leaf from the different trees and it's really simple actually you can do it too mm-hmm. and it's it's what they sometimes call a thatch roof i think because it's yes because yes, it's just that, the, right. the it's just the the leaves kind of woven together at the top yeah it's a thatch actually it's from the rice stock that dry up because in, in september they have a rice stock mm-hmm. and they got all the kernels out and put in a basket so and then they could they husk it so you can make rice out of it. That's how you make rice. And then after that, um, they use the dry up stock. They're very about two, three, two or three feet long and skinny. And they mm-hmm. just pile and pile up on them. And over the sun is strong, it dry up. And then they can use it to put it on the top of the house. So now you get the more use of, of that. 
And and you had you had lots of brothers and sisters, didn't you? Yes, I had. Um, well, I haven't seen him for years, but I have um, one brother, which is the youngest, and myself, and then five sisters. So altogether, there were seven of us. And and your mom and dad and and there so there were nine of you living in this small hut. Yes, it would, we got uh, one big huge bed that made out of uh, actually planks. It's not even a regular bed like you have over here. Mm-hmm. And we have straw mat on top of it, and then well, two or three of us can stay in one bed. Very simple. And then my father has a single one on the other side of the hut, and my mother had with the the baby or the youngest one on the other side and in the middle we just have like a bench uh in the middle is like a little poor table for tea and coffee i mean no no coffee we don't drink coffee just tea and then above that is the altar where we uh worship well not worship but pray to the ancestors the one that died before us I never met any one of them, <laughs> but every <laughs> every year they would um, put a bowl of rice on the altar or even a bunch of bananas, thinking that they would come back and, and eat it. But they, it's a tradition, you know, it's not really eating them. And mm-hmm. and we ask them to bless them. And then after that, we take them off the altar and eat the rice or the bananas, whatever you want to put on the altar. So it was kind of fun. <laughs> so the one that eat, get a you know a, a piece of rice from it, a banana. You you call it is a blessing because the ancestor blessed it. That we believe in it because that and, was the Buddhist. Yes, and then um, you had a, a stove in the corner. A, a what? A stove, a stove in the corner. Yeah. Tell oh, us yes. about your. Tell yeah, us about your stove. What the. So, so from the left side is a hut, like, and then the right side is a open kitchen. Uh-huh. And the stove, yeah, it's the stove is just a, like three-legged, um, I don't know what you call it, clay, uh, st- st- a clay pole. It was a, it's like a round pole, clay, made out of clay. Yep. Or brick. Yep. Then you put the, uh, you have to put a tripod. So when you put the pot on top of it, it won't fall over. And then, then we use the hay uh, for fire. The light up with the fire, and and that's how you cook the rice or soup. And then it, you know, but you have to stay there. You can't leave it until it that boiling or something like that. Well, then, then now, now you can take it off and put the fire out. So, so when you are in the kitchen, you cannot leave. You have to stay there. <laughs> So for the first seven years or so, or the first six years of your life, because you were born in 1948, um, it was pretty peaceful in, in North Vietnam because the French weren't there oh, yes. yet? Yeah, I, I was still in Vietnam. Uh-huh. And, but when the French came, it became very different because th- they were attacking in North Vietnam, yeah? Yes, yes. They were in my village very often. The reason we move away from the village is because the French come back to the village and try to, to get as many communists as they can. The Vietnamese uh, communists, you know, that go against them. So mm-hmm. I guess the idea, if they can get you, then they can take over the village. But uh, so so that's why the people were moving away from the village, not only my village, but the village next to me, 
and all the villages around that area. And they, they move into Hanoi or somewhere they can find peace. And that's how the people just leaving day after day. Next, next time you might not see your neighbor, next thing another neighbor is gone. You don't know, they don't tell you. It's very secret. So that's why when uh, my father and mother decided to leave the village also, because most of them have left. And they didn't want to stay, stay in the village by themselves, nothing there, not much now. And they also afraid the French could come in and they might uh, kill them or don't have much opportunity to, to do much. So that's why without leaving the village and decided to go to Hanoi, where my father, I don't know which one is an aunt, but I don't know, my father or my mother's sister, I, I, I didn't know much about it because they didn't tell me much about it either. And so they, so we went there <clears throat> to stay with the aunt for one day. And then my father and mother came back to the village and they thought that by bringing me to my aunt's house, it would be peace there. But she said to my mother, she said, oh, there's a, there's a hospital nearby. Maybe she can fix it. Maybe somebody can fix her eye and make mm -hmm. make her see again. So and you so, were you were you were outside playing and and got some kind of um, of a, a weed or something in your eye and that's how you went blind. Yes. Um, well, actually, we were playing hide and go seek, and I went into the the bamboo bushes, and which is I thought it was safer place. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I went in there and then suddenly I said, I stayed there for me maybe for half an hour. No, they couldn't find me yet. So they keep calling my name, but I didn't answer them. So that, but then I have to come out because my eye thought to itch. So then I came out. That, that's when I, I thought to feel itchy more and more as I left the uh, bush, the bamboo bush. And when I came back, they said to me, your eyes are so red. I said, I know it is. <laughs> so I came back and my mother um, that when the hot water, she was thinking that by using hot water it, and I'm sitting in front of it, it would sweat out the poison, whatever was in the bamboo bush. Uh -huh. But I, but it's not so because when I saw the doctor later uh, over here, Mass General, and I heard that if you, if you do that, when you're was open, most of the time the poison does not come out, will be sinking deeper into your in your body and skin. Yep. So my mother didn't even know about that. So she only did what she thought, you know? Yeah. So so let me ask you a hard question. Once you had lost your vision, um, do you think that changed the way that your parents thought about you and the way that they valued you? Yes, because they they thought that there was nobody blind ever blind in my village, and we have never seen anybody. So when I came along that cannot see anymore, they said, "Oh my gosh, this must be a super uh, superstition they believe in. That it must be a, a misfortune, and they are afraid that some might be some more unlucky thing come to their family, or even a village even." So. Your parents really, in a way, kind of rejected you, wouldn't you say, in, in terms of leaving you in the village when they went the first time? Oh, yes. My, my mother is not, but my father did. Because he, he was, I, I don't think he did on purpose, 
But he was thinking about in the future, there's nothing for me to do. And, they, and he didn't know how to take care of me. So he was thinking that would be better if I die early because uh, he could think of future. They, you know why? Because they have to run away too from the VC and the French and all this trouble, war and everything. So how, how, can, they, how can I do that? So she, he was thinking for my best, uh, you know, but future, if I can die early this way, I don't have to worry about it. So did you, did you blame them for that attitude or not? No, no, I, I, I don't blame them for that, but I only knew that because he did it probably for the way he thinks, you know, not worry about my future is nothing there in a village or even any remote thing for me to do. Yeah. So he would think for the best for me is to, to uh, disappear or <laughs> something like that. And, and then it would make it then it would make it easier for them because they wouldn't have to worry about where you were. Right. Yeah, they don't have to worry about taking care of me, uh, trying to drag me around. Where, especially, they have to running around. I mean, they don't just stay in one place. They, it, they're in the village this time. Tomorrow might be somewhere else because they don't know what the war is about and who's fighting who and who's getting what. So, so that's, I think that's why. So there was a time you were in the village all by yourself and the French came, yeah? Oh, yeah. I was, so, so. <clears throat> what happened with my, when, whenever there's a French people, a soldier, come back to the village, then all the children and women have to go to the school, which is in the middle of the village, and, uh, and they stay there. But all the men have to go hide under, under the uh, ground. They have a lot of bunkers under the ground. Even we haven't got one nearby our house. So you could have to go high as far as you can so that they will see you, uh, the French. Because if the French see you, they're going to get you to follow them. And they think you might be one of the communists and they're going to arrest you and, and force you to come along with them. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, the, the men always not around, but the women in the village. And so at one time, I, I did have to stay by myself for a while. And then my mother took me along to the school because see, you see the difference between mother and father, <laughs> because the mother cannot leave any kid. No, you know? no, that's right. No matter, no matter what condition, she's always there to help you. And so she stayed with me. And uh, took me to the village. I, I followed by holding to her. Um, she used up like a basket and to mm -hmm. bring a few items with her since, since we walked to the school. And we stayed there until the end of the day when the, they tell us it's safe to come home. Then we, most of the time, it was very dark. We followed the light, uh, the moonlight and the starlight to come back to, to find your house because we have no electricity. So, so I, so that was very, was, I don't know, it was a lot of work because you don't know where you, you're going, you might, you might get lost. I said, mom, make sure you don't get lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did, did you guys, even, even if you weren't communist, did you guys, did you guys hate the French for what they were doing? Well, the French was very bad. They, 
if you're the girl that they rape you in the village, and if you if if you're the man, they try to get you to come with them, and then they come in and kill the the animal like chicken, pig. You and when we come back from the school at night, you see a big mess, big mess oh. in there. Yeah, and then they do all this stuff before they leave, and they they went back to their post. So, so they really, they they really set out to wreck the villages, even if there aren't any communists that they discover. Yeah, they they they're hunting. I mean, they they could be. There may be some of them hiding. I know I yep. saw one of them swimming underneath a pond, and this is before I lost my sight. Um, there was a big pile of um, purple flowers in the, in the pond. And there's a in this guy here was swimming underneath the water, and he was right underneath that patch of flowers. <laughs> wow! So, yeah. So I so then so then I saw him, and next thing he he looked around. There was no no other French around. So then he popped, he come up to the top. So that's mm -hmm. how I knew that sometimes they hide underneath the in the water, under bushes, in the bunker, wherever they don't want the French at all. Mm -hmm. So the doctors in Hanoi said they couldn't do anything about your vision, and eventually you went to Saigon. How did you get there? Oh, it was a long journey. <laughs> but see, when my uh, mom took me to the hospital, and the doctor said he couldn't, couldn't do anything for me. But then he also gave her the information about the orphanage nearby. Mm -hmm. So he said, uh, it would be best for me to go to the orphanage where I can learn about God and uh, and the sister that will take care of me. Don't forget now, this is still during the war. Everybody is just so scary about where you go. So he, apart with thinking about for my future, he said, it is so hard for you to take her around. So if you take her to the orphanage, she'll be well taken care of by the sisters. So my mother said, uh, fine. So, so we took the stick along and we went to the orphanage and he told us exactly where to, to go. And the signal, the one that drive the signal, he knew where exactly where it is, the dumb boat. So he took us there. And when I entered that, but my mother didn't know anything about anybody there either. It, he, she didn't even know about the nuns, who are the nuns, the sisters. You know, they're all French sisters. So... She, she took me in because I was scared because now I knew I'm going to leave my mom and, and I have nobody, no, nobody there. And luckily there was a sister there. With, uh, she said, oh, welcome here. Welcome. It was a, I went to cry. And then she said to one of the girls, she called them up from one of the uh, buildings to come in and take me back to one of the building that, that most people stay there, the homeless, not the homeless, but the people don't have anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. So then, no. uh, that's how I went into the orphanage. Yep. And now that was, if you don't mind my jumping in here, that was the first orphanage in Hanoi, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, uh -huh. I thought so. That was a, is that, uh, and is that where you met the priest who knew Braille? Uh, no, it was in Saigon that I met the priest that no Braille, but uh, over there, not not in North Vietnam. I know nothing about Braille. <laughs> uh, 
And there were no blind people at the or orphanage in Hanoi, right? And no, but Teresa was the, another girl that came there before me. And because I was so strange, no, I knew nobody and all, most of them are old. So mm -hmm. then I, met, I went around and met a, a girl of my age. She's maybe only about a year younger than me. And I met and her and that's how we, how we be, become friends. And then she was there before me. So she told me all about it. Uh, what, what Back. She goes, and in the morning you have to get up six o'clock to say prayer. And then and then after that they'll give you some breakfast, maybe a bowl of rice. So she told me all about that stuff. So then you go back to go to church and go to mass. And, uh, what is it? So the, uh, because I learned all that later, these are the, the time they do. And then for lunch, then we get another soup. So that's when she and I she told me, uh, you know, and because there are other old people blind too, but they don't they don't communicate too much because they're old. Yeah. And but 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 we find our way to you know, each one has a spot in that uh, house, a building. It's not really a house that you have. It's like a big building that have uh, a long corner and they got all bed lie up side by side, maybe uh -huh. all by bed. So each one has a bed like that. Yep. So what made you go to Saigon? Okay, so anyway, we stayed there maybe less than a year in this dong boat. That's the name of the uh, orphanage where the doctor told me to go to. The name mm -hmm. of dong boat. So now, now the French, and before we were in our village and they were fighting with us in the village, trying to fight with the VC. We see them for Viet Cong. Yes. Now, now they go to Hanoi now. Now they go, they go to different um, places like the orphanages, and they would put out the flyer telling them that we that they want to take over the country, and so uh, they say so. Then they start fighting more and more and more people. In other words, they moved from the villa now into Hanoi, which is the capital of North Vietnam. Mm -hmm. And then, so the reason we moved to South Vietnam because they got to also take over North Vietnam and the, and the sisters want to give us another place to stay where she thinks might, might be safe for basic uh, peace. Mm -hmm. so, in, so in Saigon, they have another orphanage that offer them that they would take us. It's a, I don't know, there are quite a few of us, I mean, a couple hundred. And they said that they would build a, a refugee cabin, cabin. And when, they, when we come down, we can live, we can stay there, which is supported by um, the, the South Vietnamese government. You know, so give you food to eat, the money to, uh, to buy the food, stuff like that. So that's why we came from North Vietnam to South Vietnam because we have to move because we, they are afraid that French gonna take over the North Vietnam. So now they have to move to the South Vietnam to go away from it, run away from, from them. And, you, that, and the, at the same time, um, the American air, uh, military, they were very kind to us. 
and they offer us to take us out South Vietnam because you have to cross over the ocean, you know? So you need an airplane to get uh, over the South. And I guess the sister must have been talking to the military and um, they offered to take us. And so that's how we, they transferred us to South Vietnam, to Saigon, and they to another orphanage where they already built the cabin, uh, the cabin it's just out of wood. It's not really fancy. And uh, so that's why we stay. And th then when we came there, we found there were also more people also there too beside us. And then, but not too many children, only a um, couple of us. And of course, Teresa and I are both are the only blind children around. The other one, the, the sighted. But all the sighted children, they are in different buildings. They don't stay with us. But we do, we do see us once see them once in a while when we go to church. Mm -hmm. So, did you see your parents after they dropped you in the orphanage? Would they come to visit? I saw my mother in not not the South Vietnam, but North Vietnam in uh, in another orphanage. It's called High Phong. Mm -hmm. I think it's another town near yes. near Vietnam. You know, yeah, and. I don't know, it, even to this day, I don't know how my mother found her way down there because wow. she, does, she does not know how to read or write anything. And she, somehow she found her way from Dong Boy to Haiphong and by taking a train, you have to take a train. So she took the train down to my surprise. I, I didn't expect at all that I would see my mother again. And I just get a, I was, in a room with Teresa and do the same prayer to somebody like that. And the nun came and told me that the, your mother wants to see you at the gate. So I, she, so they, she came and took me out and I came in. She said to me, she said, you know, uh, how did you get here? So I said, oh, the sister brought me down here with the other, other people. But I didn't know how to ask her the same question because I was so young and I didn't think about it. Otherwise, I would ask the same question. How did you exactly. get that? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, but, so, but, but, but you yeah. didn't see your brothers and sisters and you didn't see your dad. Oh, no. I haven't seen them since I left them of uh, my village. I don't know where they went. And, but my youngest brother at home, she came with my he came with my mother. And that was the last time I saw him and both of them together. Anyways, she she wanted me to come home with her. I guess she felt so bad that I have to stay there with someone I don't know. And maybe, I don't know how, see, I didn't know much about those days. You asked her, what's the condition of the village now? If maybe she told me about, oh, the, everything is settled down now. The French left. Uh, or something like that. I wouldn't have I didn't ask her. She didn't tell me either. Mm -hmm. She said, "You want to come home, come home with me?" And I said to her, "I thought of it, but but then I was thinking that I also understand of all the fighting around and running around with the VC and the French and chasing you around. It's a quick my And the sister also told us that um, that they want to, that it's more peaceful." To stay with them, right? With, you know, they they will take care of us. 
which is their, their, that's their job, but, you know, according to God, tell them to take care of the poor and, and disabled people, you know, something like that. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, so I told my mother, I said, no, I want to stay here with the sisters. So she was so disappointed. She thumbed out of the building, but up that uh, waiting room so fast. And that was the last time I saw her and everybody in my family. So I have not seen any one of them at all since then. Wow. So um, did, you, did you have to learn French then? In, in the Saigon? Yeah. You know, I've learned French uh, at the school, not, not in the orphanage, but I, I learned some. But in the school for, for blind uh, children in the, um, Saigon, and they had the real French people come and teach French. So I learned that. They also have uh, American uh, ladies who are their husband are servicemen there. So they go around and helping people. So that's how I learned some of the English besides French. So tell us about how you got to the blind school. But what blind school? The, the one the, in Vietnam? In Saigon. Well, the, okay, now, Maria Thai, this is her name. She had the training as a teacher in, at Perkins School. She was, she came back to Vietnam and she said that she wants to help any blind children in Vietnam, but nobody knows where to get the blind children because she didn't know. And then she said, and at the same time, she also know Miss General Caulfield, who was also blind and stayed in Thailand for many years and helping people, over, the blind children over there. Uh -huh. So, so Miss Jericho Field and Maria Thai came together to the orphanage where we were. And she asked her sister, do we have any blind children here? And she said, yeah, we got two. So then that's how I, we met her. And she, and she asked, do you, do you want to learn um, Braille? Which is, I knew something but a little bit about that because the priest, this is the, the offer that I'm talking about in, in Saigon. It's good. And uh, he, the Frenchman was injured from the war and he, he learned French Braille. And, he, and the priest came to see him and he taught him Braille. So the priest come around and taught us Braille. But she, he only taught us um, all about Bible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Verses and gospel and that's how I learned Braille first time. From so, but most of it we use the French uh, slate. Mm -hmm. It's very big and tireless. <laughs> and the Frenchman, he knew he also knew a lot of the equipment that they use in Paris. And so, so that's how I learned Braille the first time. And then when I came, so when Maria Thai and Miss Cofield came to the school and asked his sister that they would like to have some ch blind children to come to, to her school. Well, she hasn't got the school yet, but she's collecting children first before I, she before she went to the government and asked for the building and money so that she can 
set up the school for blind children in that like that. So when she did, she got about eight of us together from a different orphanages. And then she went to the government and asked them if she can have a building, any building that she can use at the school. So at the, at the this is the, if you know any history about Vietnam, it's President Jim at that time was the president. Yeah, no Din Jim. Yeah. Right, right. Now, her, her, his um, sister is Madame New. Yes. She, she, owned, she owned a house, the, a big house, on one Winchoy Street. And she offered, she offered Maria Tai that building to use it. So, so that's how we thought it. In, and it's like, oh, it is like a big, huge house. Has upstairs and downstairs. And uh, so up there is um, about eight of us. So she got four boys in one side and four girls in the other side. But the better also also set up side by side, like that. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now it's just a like a living room, and it's put mm -hmm. a few uh, few desks in it to use as a desk for us. And then she had two more desks underneath the staircase. <laughs> that's where Teresa and I were, and we so basically that's the classroom. We were underneath the staircase. And um, so the sister will go around and teach us more. Well, actually, Marie teaches more Braille now. So the more we learn, the more to read, the more we understand that. But the sister don't know Braille. They, but they read it from the cited book. Right. And we, we copy in Braille and learn it and like that ourselves, you know, some, something like that. So it was, it was, it was a job, but it was, but we did a good job too. And then, um, so that's how we learned. And, and we, after, we learned the same textbook as the sighted children in the public school. Except nice. we have, yeah, so same thing. And then we graduated from sixth grade. But now Maria said, where can we go? Because she doesn't have any more school for us to continue to go higher education. Mm -hmm. We were too young, so she, since she know Dr. Waterhouse, and because she got the training from Perkins, so she, she contacted him and told him the, the problem that we have two girls already graduate but have no more school to go to. If she could have the, uh, if we could have the scholarship to go to Perkins. So at the same time, she also wrote to the school in, in Paris. So either one would accept us, we will go. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, so Dr. Waterhouse was very, very kind. He talked to his trustees and we got the scholarship and that's how we flew from Saigon to Boston and attended Lutheran School. So that must have been pretty scary to suddenly find yourself in this strange school where you didn't know a lot of English and all these and, and all these kids were were speaking a language you didn't know and, and maybe a lot of them were further ahead than you were. Oh, yes. Well, first of all, when we landed in Hawaii, we didn't even know any, any I mean, everybody's so strange, but without talking, luckily we knew a little bit, just like as if, as if you were learning French. 
and you go to your parents, all you can say is hi, bye, hello, bonjour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you, oh, but you, but you did well enough at Perkins that that you ended up um, graduating and then going on to college. Yes. Yes, we did. We we uh, did real well, and uh, we got a scholarship. To, I went to Emmanuel College, mm -hmm. which is uh, in Brookline, not too far from Perkins. And what did you study there? I studied English. It was nice. my major. Nice. So I got my my uh, degree in the you know BA something like that. And and um, while you were in college, you met your husband. Tell us a little about him. Well, it's funny though because uh, when we were at Perkins, when I was still at learning at Perkins, he came to. He was also a former student at Perkins, and he graduated way before me. And he came. He usually come back for the wrestling watching wrestling team. And so once weekend, we went to church from Perkins and go to St. Patrick Church in Watertown. But the bus that take us to Watertown, to the church in Watertown, is usually parked uh, near the lower school. So I was in high school, I have to walk all the way down to the lower school to catch the bus to go to church. But this morning, this one Sunday, I went to the church. Uh, I got on the bus, okay? And my roommate cannot talk, I mean, blind and deaf. So I oh, have to write yeah, Pauline, and I have to finger spell to her, whatever the, if, what, what's going on. Mm -hmm. So she was sitting next to me on the bus. And so Richard came by and she, he was sitting on the opposite, but then somehow he, I said hi, so he said hi to me. And so with that talking, and, uh, and then just from there on, some, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it just, <laughs> I just it happened, I guess. And then I, with, with, he kept writing to me when I came back to the school, and then, I, and then he called me on the phone. So that I, I guess I felt that something was somebody's it, it was interesting in me you know and thing is just, but i still learning uh, i still doing very good in studying not not keep my mind uh to anything else so but we keep we kept in touch and until i graduate from college and you and teresa went to the same school yes we did Mm -hmm. So, she she also did English, or did she do something else? No, she studied in social social study. Nice, nice. So afterwards, um, you and and Richard Macaulay, um, who who by then had a job, he had an interesting job for a blind person. Tell us what he did. He um, after he got his master degree. He went on his own and had his own business as an electrical contractor. And so I, we got married the day, um, just before I graduated from Emmanuel. And then after that, we went to Hawaii for honeymoon and came back and, and we got working. And I will, be, I will be talking to a different company that he, he talked, he deal with. Mm -hmm. 
that he was working for five different dating fund programs, like uh, TriCap, North Shore, huh? and, and uh, what was Capic and NASCAP, all five of them. And what they do is he goes to inspect the wire up in the attic to make sure that it's good wire before they insulate it for the low income. So right, right. If, you, if you are under a certain income, you can apply and they will insulate your house for you or fix the door and things like that. But his job is to inspect, make sure that the wire is still good before they insulate the, the attic. Yep, check all the electricity. Yep. Yeah. So, so I I would be talking to all the different people from fire companies and inspectors or the firemen if they call me and ask for any information about certain customer, and I would have all these things ready and tell him. Our inspector would call me and tell me that he wants certain things to to change where uh -huh. the interaction is not quite right or something like that. So we do all this stuff for for many years. <laughs> So we kept so we kept busy, yep. So when you when you published your book in 1984, you had two children. Is that all you had, or did you have more? Uh, that's all I have two. Yeah. Uh huh. But but they're they're big people now. They're not little kids anymore. Oh no, they're they're adult now. They all marry, and one of them has one child. So I'm a grandma, but don't call me a grandma, okay? Because they make me feel old. Hey, that's right. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> that's right. No, um, but um, how was it? How was it bringing up blind? Uh, how was it bringing up sighted kids as a blind parent? Well, actually, I had no problem because uh, I think they grew up with you. They learn what yeah. you that that what they can get away with or not getting away. <laughs> uh huh. See? <laughs> But they do. Yeah. They, they they try a couple of times because. Uh, yeah. But one thing that they never try with me that when I call them, they always answer. I mean, they don't have. To, but some of them will probably won't answer, so you don't know where they are, you know. But my 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 two kids are very good. They always they always answer me when I call them, and I, I also know where they are. I had three kids, and and I'm blind, totally blind as well. So I I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so but oh yeah, but um, but if they can try to get away with you, you know, they will. But but luckily they grew up with you, so they know. Like mm -hmm. like my son would be, like one time I if I drop something on on the ground or on the floor, he'll pick it up and he give it to me, you know. And like when when he get off the high chair when he was young, and if he drops something. I think I pick him out that white chair and go get it. <laughs> then you mm -hmm. go get it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So are are you retired now or are you guys still working? Oh yeah, we we, we kinda of retired, but Richard they're working here there a little bit if someone wants a certain job to do. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. But but you are retired, so you're just relaxing now. Oh yeah, I I do a lot of listening to the news and reading and we still have you know, a lot of stuff, and then we go out for a walk, exercise, and I, somehow the time just go by so fast. Next thing you know, is oh my God, it's only the, uh, seven o'clock at night already. <laughs> and we have a yeah. dog, so we take the dog out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Got it. So, Terry, do you have a question? And then, Rick, after that, I think we're going to open it up. Uh, I think you've covered a lot of them. Anna, can yeah. you tell this? Can you tell the story? Um, a couple of months ago, uh, another friend of ours, Judy Cannon, and I had a wonderful long conversation with Anna. And you told us a story about when you were a child when, and there was no electricity about how you used to um, catch the fireflies. Oh, yes, um, because we, did, we didn't have electricity. But don't forget, I still could see, right? And, and, but mm. we need some light. So we go out and catch the fireflies. And we have little jars, like a baby, <laughs> baby food jar. So we put them in there. So when we we would walk around with them, so give them a little light. Is that interesting? And did you punch I, holes in the top so that the so the fireflies would be okay? Yeah, the fire the fireflies. We I think I think we made a mistake by putting a cover on them. I think that you make a few holes in the top. Yeah, Maybe that's right. That would be better, yeah. But we didn't do that. That's why they die so fast. Yeah, we used to. We, we used to do that. We used to put holes in the top when we caught them. Oh yeah, see, we yeah. didn't do that, so that's why they say, "Oh wow, they die already." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give you a little bit of light, anyhow. Uh -huh. Yeah, and, and, Mr. Oh, yeah, and when you were in um, in Saigon, the women that did all of the volunteering. Um, I'm sorry, I may have missed a little bit of this. I got a phone call that I had to take. Um, the women that did the volunteering and taught so much, they were, they were, they were part of the American, the, the yeah. wives of the diplomats. Yeah, yeah, and such. yeah. They were, they were the, the wives of the, uh, the servicemen. There was, there was a certain street in Saigon, it's like a block. So all the servicemen people go there and have their own place. It's like a condo, little condo apartment, so they live there. So, but the, the lady would go around and do volunteer work. Well, Maria Thine met some of them. So they came to the school and, uh, and taught us to make clay dishes and cups. And she, I, I think over here you call the Play-Doh. So, they, I, I don't know where they bought it from, but maybe from the store. They must have an American store somewhere to buy all the Play-Doh. And they would come and spend time with us and make and make cups and dishes. And it's kind of interesting. Maybe uh, some animal, maybe try to make a duck or, or a, a pig. <laughs> <coughs> That's fun. Yeah, and it was fun. And then it was. And then they, so they must, so were they part of, they must have been, Kind of a go-between that that got the uh, the servicemen and the green berets and everyone involved in raising the money for you to come over. Were they? Well, those women must have uh, no, those 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 ladies uh, uh, don't do that. But there was a lady. Her name is uh, Mrs. Flowers. Now her husband is also is a servicemen, but she also came to talk to us, and she was the one that. Uh, when she notified us that there's a plane available that we can go to Viet uh, to uh, Boston, it's, somehow she must check on the schedule. But the airfare ticket is from Colonel Morton 
he he went around and talked to his uh, troop, the, the men in his troop, the the situation, and the money that they need to buy the ticket so that we can go to school, a Perkins school. Now I don't know how much money at that time would cost an airfare to go from Vietnam to Boston, but it must be expensive because in those days, you know, it's a long ride. So. But they're clocking up money, and then they were also waiting for the flight ready to take us so that we can board to come over here. And uh, so Mrs. Flower just called us one day and said, oh, I, I, I found a flight for you, and tell Maria die, and so she got us ready. So we didn't even know much, much time at all. I mean, it's just like, just, okay, you guys ready? <laughs> and, yep. so, yeah. Yeah, I was so, just thinking, you know, the servicemen weren't making that much money either, that they really must have really taken this to heart to come up with yeah. what would have been a lot of money at that time to to get the, the, to plane, get to your, the to plane ticket. Tickets. Yeah. Yeah. But and we uh, always you know, we always hear such bad things about about Vietnam and the way that American soldiers behave there. And so it's it's interesting to hear the other side, how many of the wives and others were actually helping um, to make things mm. better for, for people like Anna. It's, well, see, yes. because, but see, what you heard, it, on you, you only heard about the people that fight with the war and everything, but people that, the soldiers that come over there because they, they have to, or maybe they want to, they are very, they're, they're very kind and, and yeah. they love children because yes. another time we went to the beach and uh, they agree, uh, the, not the, yeah, the Green Beret and the Marine, they're all out there and take us around to the church, going in and out of the water with us. And they just like to love children. They, anything they can do, they will do. And they're that very is so kind. Cool. Yeah. They're very Mr. kind people. Mr. Rick. Yes, sir. Lynn, please. Hello, Anna. Anna, you and, I, you and I went to the same camp when I was about 13 years old. And I knew you I knew you and Teresa back then. I was about 13. So you know, <laughs> it's really funny. And I think that um, I couldn't remember that you were in Massachusetts. But you didn't, as far as I remember, and this is a heck of a long time ago, because I'm 68 now. But, you know, I just remember that your English was a little more broken you speak very good very very well now obviously you've been in the United States a very long time I think when you came to Camp Allen in Reeds Ferry New Hampshire you hadn't been the, in the United States very long but it's very nice to hear how successful you've been and how accomplished you've been and I I, I really admire your your whole story oh thank you yeah that's what I can remember Camp Allen my god yeah I know. and yeah. we were in, we were also in the same cabin you uh you and Teresa oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah I remember now yeah <laughs> my god so many months ago right oh yeah a long time ago <laughs> now I'm in Washington <laughs> state so yeah thank but, you so uh, much so Lynn, where, you, what, so where what was your you last name what was your last oh, name my, then? my name was always Corral I never changed my name even when Very Sandy good. and I were married yeah the yep. same name yeah yep Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Those days. Yep. Do you and still keep a Do you still keep in touch with Teresa? Yes. Yes. Very good. Well, tell her I said hello, Teresa Kwan. Okay, she lives in California. Oh, nice. Where, where do you live? In uh, Olympia, Washington, near my son. 
Oh, okay. So yeah, she lives in California. She's retired too. Yeah, me too. So what, yeah. nice. what, does, that, what does that say? <laughs> that says that, that we're <laughs> older. That's all it says. <laughs> no, I just said that we are old. <laughs> That's right. We are all getting old. Yep. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Thank, Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Lynn. Yep. Uh, th thank you. Uh-huh. Penny Reader, please. Miss Penny. Hey, hi, Paul and Terry. And hello, Anna. It's so nice to meet you. Nice I to meet to you, too. You, I have to tell you, I stayed up until four in the morning on Saturday night reading your book, and I really loved it. Thank you thank so you. much for writing it. Thank you. And the question I had for you is what Lynn asked about Teresa. I'm so glad she's doing well. Is she having a happy life as like oh, yes. yours? Yeah, oh, that's she, good. Yeah, she's retired, so she's just enjoyed uh, reading and and do like like me. <laughs> that's wonderful. Reading You're and friendly. eating. Yeah. Now, did, did Teresa okay. get did Teresa get married and have children also? No. So, no. No. She, no. She uh, just have. She was working for um, <clears throat> the hospital in La Jolla for a while. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Have you heard of uh -huh. La Jolla Hospital? La Jolla, it's yes. It's a veteran yes. hospital. Uh huh. She's a, she, she's a social she, worker. Uh, yeah. That's wonderful. Well, no, Actually, she didn't work in that field. She was uh, typing. Um, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, typing uh -huh. the yeah the the uh, record for the doctor. Med medical yeah, transcriptionist. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh -huh. Lots of us well, have done that. Thank you so much for writing the book. I think you should write a sequel, Anna, and tell okay. us what happened in the rest of your life. Yeah. Thank I you think, so much. I really enjoyed I think, it. I think so thank too. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Miss Penny. You're welcome, Paul. Yeah, Agnes, please. Hi, Anna. Hi. I'm, I am from Colorado, and I really enjoyed your book very, very much. And I want to thank you for coming on here and talking with all of us and telling us a little more about your story. But I have one question I'd like to ask. How did okay. you feel? How did you feel when you were in college and wanted to get a chance to do the one part of your degree where you had to go to the school and teach and you didn't get any backing for that? Oh, I was disappointed a little bit because I have no support from the the lady in the education department because I thought I wanted to be a teacher. But um, she was, didn't, I guess she didn't know much about what blind people can do and just like wondering how you're going to handle and read the uh, mock the children and all that, you know, so maybe, maybe she just need more knowledge of what people can do. What about the rehab people? How help you? I got the impression from your book that when you contacted someone from rehab, they weren't very helpful either. No, I think that the, they just don't know mu understand much about anything, you know, so they just yeah. try to yeah, right. But then, then I was I even though I didn't do what I wanted originally. But then we, you know, we end up to still have a good life with, and working as um, secretary in my own house. So I think everything ends well, and uh, yep. you know, good well. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Uh, thank was you. Good to talk to you. Uh -huh. I was already teaching high school um, by the time I did my master's degree in education. So they couldn't very well say they couldn't find me a school. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing they said to me is that they couldn't find any school that would take me for, for training. 
I think you have to go to like four, uh, six months or something as a trainer. Yeah. To teach it's... it. But then you have to be accepted by the school. Yeah. And they, they couldn't get any school for me, I guess. That's what yeah. they say. It's it's still a problem, but it's not yeah. it's not it's not as bad as it used to be. It's, yeah, you are right because in see nowadays it's different because we have more technology. You can use iPhone, yep. computer. Yep. But in those days, we don't have much. You know, yep. makes it better. And, Mr. and so they yes, and so they they're very leery about how yeah. you teach. Yeah. What well, what when when I was teaching. The technology wasn't there yet because I stopped teaching in what, 70, 76, maybe? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, long time yeah. ago. What do you teach? I taught history. Oh, very good. I was a, I was a, a history teacher in Trinidad and Tobago. Oh. Just down in the Caribbean. Very good. Yeah. Mr. Rick. Susan Jones, please. Susan, Susan Jones, I know her. <laughs> Hi there, Anna. Hi, so, how are you doing? I am doing well, thanks. It's so good to talk to you. Um, I remember many, many years. I, I think it was uh, probably sometime in the 80s when you sent me your book and I had somebody read it to me. But uh -huh. I last night I downloaded it from Bard and I got to read it again. And um, I, I just, I love the way... You explain to, to your readers about how blind people do things by talking about the conversations you had with real people in your life and your children's lives. And I just thought you did such a good job with that. You are Thank a you. very gifted writer, and I hope you'll write another book. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. Mr. Rick. I haven't seen Susan. I haven't seen you for years. Yeah, oh, it's sure. been a while. <laughs> but yeah. I was back last year for our uh, uh, class of 1969 50th <laughs> reunion. So uh -huh. I missed seeing you at Alumni Weekend. Okay, oh. I'm going to give somebody else a chance. Connie Bateman, please. Oh, hi, Anna. Um, so my name is Connie. I live in Sacramento, California. I just retired myself. I was, I taught English to adult immigrants. So um, anyway, I enjoyed listening to your book. And um, my question is, when you graduated from college, uh, what job did you do before you retired? Oh, we, we, uh, we, my husband and I have a business at home, self-employed. <clears throat> He's an electrician. Mm -hmm. And he, he electrical contractor. Mm -hmm. So I'm home taking care of all the paperwork. Like oh. when people call in and take the name and address and, mm -hmm. and keep in touch with the inspectors. And if all information that they want to know, we have to file out and I will tell them. Mm -hmm. So we work from the house. Well, that's good. Well, it's very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. And thank you. Thank you, Miss Connie. <clears throat> the next person is Saya, if I get that right, S-A-I-J-A. Saja, yeah, you got that right. Uh, thank you. So thank you, Miss McCauley, for sharing your story. And I also read your book. 
just this weekend and I was curious about your relationship with your birth family. I'm just curious to learn if you ever tried to reconnect with your uh, mother after you came to the U.S. in your adulthood. No, because um, I always thought that my mother and father, they don't know how to read and write. They don't know the, anything. So I never tried to get in touch with them. Even if I write to them, they wouldn't know. And I have no idea where they live either. No address. And I, I'm, I'm a mile away from them. And so I, I don't have idea, no idea where, what village they're in. They, they ran back to, so I cannot write to them either. Well, who knows? Somebody somebody may find this podcast and somehow get it to them, and they can yeah. hear you. Who knows? Yeah. Because the knows? podcast's yeah. available all over the world, so you never can tell. Yeah, but it has been for years. <laughs> I and think I, that it's hard to know them, too, because they're, they're very, I have to say, primitive people. They yeah. To us, yeah. People. Yeah. It's it, and I guess I guess they probably ended up staying in North Vietnam, which meant that they, they none of the family would be likely to have come to the states. No, oh no, no, they 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 stay in North Vietnam. The last time I left them, is that when they, I stayed goodbye to my mother and my brother at that Hai Phong orphan, yep. orphanage, and mm-hmm. that was the but, last time. Phone number eight five six four, please. Hi, Anna. It is Joyce Breida. Hi. I was your roommate way back when, when you first came to America. I know. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm well, about I'm... to read your book. I haven't read it yet, but I learned things tonight that I didn't know, and I've known you for all these years. I know. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations on writing it, and I'm looking forward to reading it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Thank you. you. You have to sit and I'm quiet gonna... in the room. You have to sit what? quiet in the. You have to sit yes. quiet in the room and just go along with me. <laughs> That's as, right. As you read the book. book. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, Joyce, how how was Anna as a roommate? She was good. We didn't have. Yeah. We always got along. We didn't have any difficulties. Um, I don't know if I. I guess I hope I taught her all the good things, not the bad things. But I don't that know. Is, did I did I did, uh, did I mop the floor? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm okay. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, we have to we have to mop the floor right in the morning before yeah. we go to school. <laughs> yeah, with the dust mop. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump in here for one second and say hi to Joyce, because I haven't talked to Joyce in years either. Hi, Terry. How are you? I didn't know how to get in touch with you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm living in your town now. I moved to Braintree. Braintree. Oh, you're in my old town. Yeah. Not Arlington, but Braintree. Oh, for heaven's sake. Almost a year now. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say a quick hello. Thank you. Go right ahead I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm done. Somebody Excellent. else can take a turn. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks very much for calling, Joyce. Thank you. Yep. Hi. Hi, it's Jan Doremus. Uh, you, Anna, you, pro- you may remember me as Janice Burke. 
Right, I we, do. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing fine, thank you. Coincidentally, I live in Braintree also. Oh. <laughs> um, it, it, Anna, I remember being in classes with you, and I remember what, what beautiful stitching you and Teresa both did. Oh, yeah, I remember that too, yeah. So it's good to hear your voice again. And yours too. Yeah. Jo- jo- Joyce, Judy, Anna, Teresa, and I all graduated from Perkins together in 1970. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember you in my class, uh, Mr. A was our teacher, English teacher. Yes. And then the, I think it was Dorothy Donovan too. Yes, yes. Yeah. Gosh. And I say, Janet book A all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so Jan Jan, you were the brain, huh? Well that's what Anna says. Yeah, she did good. She did good. <laughs> do you have do you have any any memories of, of Teresa and Anna Perkins, um, Jan? Um being in class with them. I I didn't know that they had come from North Vietnam. I remembered that they were from Saigon. Um, I think we were in sixth grade in Glover Cottage, Anna, when, when you yeah. and Teresa came over to Perkins. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I remember you having your surgery um, and being out for a while for that yeah, um, because right. of the severity of it. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it sounds like it sounds like both both Teresa and Anna fit in pretty well once once they got there. If you don't have memories of them, yeah. Well, they, well, they, well um, we were in classes together. We we didn't do a lot socially together. Um, that's probably why I you know I may not have as many memories as other people may of of mm-hmm. both girls. Well, I think also Teresa was in a different class. Uh, yeah. I have a different classroom, and so they were, we were not together in the same class. Yeah, so, yeah. so you couldn't speak Vietnamese and, 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 and work uh, with each other much. <laughs> right. That, I think that's the purpose. That was a purpose. Might have yeah. been. Yeah. Might have been. Jan, so, thank you so much for calling in. Oh, you're welcome. Anna, nice to hear your voice again. Please take nice care. Yeah, you too, and good luck. Thank you. You too. Bye now. Okay, bye-bye. So, Miss <clears throat> Anna, in, in terms of, in, in terms of uh, raising your kids, your book stops in, oh, I don't know, 79, 80, came out in 84. Um, what, was, what was it like raising the two kids as teenagers? Did they give you trouble? Well, actually, not too much. I was lucky because um, they both went to a Catholic school and they got good training from them, from other sisters. Uh-huh. So I, I, I had a little bit, but not too much, not too much. And then they went to high school and, and of course, my, um, they went to uh, Suffolk University. My son went there. You master suffix to get his master in text special 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 text. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. So, and my sis, my daughter is a nurse, so she's always working with patients. Mm-hmm. 
And and you were telling us that your granddaughter lent you her computer. So how old is your granddaughter now? Uh, she's 15. <clears throat> she's in high school. That is so cool. And, but and, right now they can't go to the class because of the virus. Yeah. So most and so, so someday they go there, but most of the time they 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 study at the house with the teacher. Zoom me just like I'm zooming with you now. Yeah, that is so excellent. <laughs> but and and I'm so glad that she was able to help you set it up. That is so exciting. What is her name? Uh, the, my son did. Uh, my granddaughter's name is Ava. Nice. But my son was here. He's he's good at all the technology. <laughs> He, so he, he is. Yeah, he's good at he is. So he's let, a, Yeah. So let me ask you a, maybe a hard question. I'm not sure if it is or not. So you, you can ask up, me any question. Yeah. You grew up for the first several years <laughs> of your life as a Buddhist. And then you suddenly found yourself in, in, in Catholic orphanages and in Catholic blind schools um did did you ever find a a contrast or or a contradiction between buddhism and catholicism well actually because i was so young they didn't they don't much teach me much about what the philosophy of the buddha is about but mm -hmm. just the basic idea because you're just a kid so the tradition is, is uh, to have them bless you when you want the food on the altar, but nothing deeper in the religion. Why? Well, who is he? Who is Buddha? What did he do? Nothing like that. So what I knew about Buddha is nothing, not much. So when I came to the orphanage and study about religion, Catholic religion and God, it's different because they, they teach a different way. They taught who, how the world started. Uh, Adam and Eve, some, and, and they started from the beginning. Yep. So, and and, and as you are a child, you say, "Wow, that seems interesting," you know. And then they say, "Oh, so so the world started with one man and one woman." <laughs> so then, with you started from here, so my interest was different. Then it become more, more deeper into religion than the Buddha. So as far mm -hmm. as my family, but I don't know much about it. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Now, do you do you still go back to Perkins reunions and that sort of thing? I have been been back for a while, but <clears throat> uh, I don't know. I think I the last time maybe a long time ago. But now they don't. They don't. Before you can go back and just go walk in, but now you have to make the appointment because the, all the all the buildings are closed and locked up. Right. So. Mm -hmm. So I uh, know I haven't been back for a long time. Mm -hmm. But but you you used to go back. Did you did you feel that Perkins was a was was a big help in helping you adjust to being in this country? Yes. Oh yeah. If we got a, if we had a chance to go back, we always go back and visit. And um, so I, so sometimes we did go back for just to. I think I took my granddaughter there when she was young just to show her the school. And just to show her the different kind of people and different kind of children. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we took her back there and she was playing in a, in a swing, sat there with, you know, with us and then meet different people. So she went through the school. Mm -hmm. 
but because she was young at that time, <laughs> but now you can't. You have to make the appointment to go back there. Phone number three six nine four, please. It's Ann Donna Rakai. Hi. Hi. Oh man. <laughs> Hi, Anna. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, thank you. We That's go back great. a long ways. Actually, I met Anna first in Glover Cottage. And oh my gosh, that was many many moons ago. <laughs> I'm, excuse me. I'm sorry. That was many many, many moons hear. ago. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> many yeah. moons ago. Yeah. Um. I wondered what made you decide to write your book. I mean, actually, as your roommate, um, when we were older, I remember you telling me stories about Vietnam. And I was really honored to be able to listen to you tell those stories. And, well, I, um, well one, one day, um, my children were small, and I was just thinking, I'm always thinking of, of writing certain things and the essay and like a poetry thing, stuff like that. And so so one day I was mm -hmm. just thinking about how if I write from the beginning to the end mm. of my experiences of a different people that I met during my lifetime and different experiences that, that they have been giving me to show the world and the people that there are many, many kind people out there. So when anybody needs help, there's always a hand sticking out, reaching for you. So being, mm. so I'm an, I am an example of that. Because just imagine I was eight years old, I had nothing, not even a single penny. But yet everywhere I go, right. I had things that I need, I have. Of course, often it just don't have a lot, but there's always people that make friends with me and then when we went to South Vietnam, another orphanage, not much either. But then when mm. we went to school for Vietnam, from Maria Thai school, we, I learned more now. And now I learned how to read. I learned how to write. I know the history. And I learned um, mm -hmm. different languages. So that was, I was so amazed about different things that I mm. can, can do. And then I learned how to type. You know, then, and, and, and then I learned how to play piano. And I said, wow, this is uh -huh. really neat. <laughs> so I used to play the piano while the kids are singing the song. And I would play the, accompany them to sing like Christmas songs and things like that at the school in Vietnam. So when I came, mm. came to Perkins, but now look at this. I, we still don't have any money. But yet the American people come to the school and we met them. And it's just from one link to another link. And the American yes. soldier, the Green Beret. So I said, this, this is very interesting. I think some people would like to read. So I'm an example of the, all the kindness of the people of different depth. Now, so the Green Beret got me over here to Perkins and the Dr. Waterhouse and the trustees mm -hmm. there gave us a scholarship. And so it's just on and on and then then after I graduated Perkins, I said, I now have no money to go to college, but yet I got to college, you know? I, get, yes. I got in yes. and daddy, and that's why I, I was thinking about it, put all my thoughts together, 
And mm. also the experience I had, like like a lot of people don't understand, blind people can mm-hmm. talk, but you don't have to talk loud. And there's a, some of them would think that you since you cannot see, you have to talk loud so you can have hear. to yell at them. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, I, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know if you have an experience like that or not, but some of them they just think that you cannot yes. see, you cannot hear either, so they have to talk loud to make sure that you hear them. You know? I know. Yep. So I, I thought know. that was very yeah. interesting, and that's how, that's why. But then I said also that if I write the, all the put all this information and feeling into the book, mm-hmm. and uh, so my my I cannot sit down and explain to my two kids all about things like that. But when they read the mm. book, they understand better than I can just sit out now and just tell him or tell that him or her about what I went mm-hmm. through. So it's all it's all put together. So if they want to know what happened at what mm-hmm. age, what did I do? It's in the book. That's very exactly. cool. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so looking forward fine. to reading your book, Anna. Thank that, you. This, I mean, this is way, way away from uh, uh, many years ago when Anna and I would sit in the Glover Cottage locker room and do, um, we were supposed to make sentences into words. I was helping her with her English. Oh, and yeah. She was so earnest and serious. And I guess I used to make you laugh. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the bench so. in the hall, the bench uh, in the waiting place there yes. with the yeah. wind blowing through 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 the whole yeah. thing. And it and it and yeah. I don't like the cold weather, the snow and, and cold. <laughs> I said, Come oh, on, I come know. in, you go out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Thank you so much for for uh, Terry and and um, Paul for having for having Anna on this this program. Well, it's it's, it's our privilege, and thank you so much for calling in. Uh, we, we're yeah, we're still you. we're still it trying is. to get we're still trying to get some people to tell us some bad things about Anna, but none of you guys are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's it trying to bad. It must be something bad about me. That's right. I, I keep yeah. I keep waiting. I know something <laughs> well, I don't I have. One, I don't have one either. But I do want to say um, I just want to add a little something here. Um, for the last few years, with as a matter of fact, Anne Donna's what made me think of it, um, and because Anne has been the chair of the newsletter uh, staff if you will, the newsletter committee for the Perkins Alumni Association. And I've been doing most of the editing of what everybody writes and putting the newsletter together. And one of the things that um, I think it was Dennis Pulselli originally suggested was doing an author's com, an author's corner. Oh, I I, I have trouble with ours. Um, And it's a, it's a Massachusetts problem. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this year was because this year was Anna's 50th class reunion that they couldn't really hold in person. Um, we all decided that Anna's book would be the perfect uh, addition to this year's newsletter, which we just finished and just got out this week. To and but Anne Donna has been um, a 
pretty driving force in the newsletter. She and Judy Cannon, I know a lot of people from ACB know Judy, Dennis Pilselli, Pauline Downing, myself, and I think I'm Marie Hennessy. We can't forget everyone. Anyone. And that's how I got to feel like I've really gotten much more to know Anna um, is through Judy and I uh, having this great conversation with her. And Judy was also in Anna's class of 1970 and is probably listening on ACB Radio Mainstream tonight. Yeah. Um, I still owe Judy a drink. Ah, she'll take you up on it some night, oh. too, I'm sure. Well, she better we because I... get back together again. But they've, yeah. had, they've had a virtual reunion this year on Zoom and uh, or conference call. I'm not, I forget which, which way it was. But it's been... I just think it's been it's been such a pleasure uh, talking with Anna. Um, the, uh, it's been a few times now since we did this. One of the other things that I would like to just add in here is to thank Kim Charlson, because what happened was when we came up with this idea of doing Anna's book, Judy went to Kim to see if they still had the recording of the book from when they recorded it back in 1984 and they didn't, it had been damaged and destroyed um, in a flood at one point at the library. And so Kim very quickly agreed to have one of their narrators at the Perkins studio re-record the book and that's why it, and, and pushed to get it out on Bard as quickly as it has. We've done this whole thing inside of a, Oh, what it what's it been maybe four months yeah maybe, or, or or less and on yeah. bard and uh, thanks to kim charleston as well for that yeah thank and you of kim. course to judy yeah uh, we, yeah we but want to thank you for anna because she's the one that started it all and that's anna right with wonderful book so anna in terms of uh, in in terms of um, your your marriage and working together with your husband on a business, um, did did you feel that that was fulfilling for you? Were you comfortable doing that, or did you sometimes regret not teaching or not doing something else in English? No, no, no I'm I'm happy that we're together and we work together. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. You guys have been together for a pretty long time. 46 years. See, that's a pretty long time. I know it. I don't, I don't know how we think together so long. <laughs> and you guys have a house rather than an apartment? Yeah, we have a house right here. Nice. Nice. That's excellent. I, I think that, um, I think, well, let me ask you, in fact, let me, let me not think. Um, what what do you think is responsible for you guys being able to stay together as as well as you have? I think that uh, you try to understand each other, and mm -hmm. if there is a time that you have a little conflict, then you just like talk over, hash it out, but then forget it, forgive and forget. You don't get a grudge. Yeah, that's the main thing. Don't don't take it to your heart. Because yeah. sometimes the person say things that you may not like it, 
but maybe that's his opinion. But my opinion might be different. Mm -hmm. So you accept that uh, opinion of that person, and your opinion is different. But doesn't mean that your opinion is right and his opinion is wrong. So you read, you analyze it, and if you can do that, you can think together for a hundred years. Now, one of the things you talk about in your book is is um, is Dick's family, and I guess and I guess they've been they've they've been pretty comfortable with with you as Dick's wife and and kind of accepted you pretty well. Yes, yes, we had no problem with them. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool in a way too, because um, it doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah, um, because sometimes they don't like. Uh, uh, your your son or your daughter married to another blind person, yeah, or handicap or any handicap, in fact. But mm -hmm. the, this family, the Macaulay family, have been very nice. All all brother and sister, they all understand how you know people, what we can do in that make life better for for us and for someone else. Anna, it's great to listen to you. And hello, Paul Edwards. While I got you around too. Hello, Hello, Paul Kurtz. Hi. You can hear me since I've emailed you, so that's good. And I've got a different kind of a question. I went to Bangkok in 2005, had a chance to go around and talk to a lot of people. And, and you've had two very interesting religious backgrounds that may contribute to this. I found that a lot of the Buddhist people I talked to over in Thailand really very strongly believed in giving back. They believed if you gave to others and you helped others, it would come around back to you. And that's right. a pretty strong Christian belief. And it seems like from what I get from your um, conversation this evening, that you're a strong believer in giving back and in doing for others and things like that as well. You know, with right. the things you contribute to. So, have you inherited a strong belief in that? And does that come from your environment and everywhere? It probably from my family because they were Buddhists and they probably, they probably taught me earlier age, even though I didn't know it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you seem to be a giving person that really contributes not only in your family, but outside as well. Um, very enjoyable presentation you've given so far and I will read your book. I wanted to wait and hear you before I read your book. I didn't oh. want to read it, but I figured I would wait and hear you first and then go back and read your book. So thank you very much. Uh, thank you. That might help you understand also because yes. sometimes if you listen to the people tell you what the story is about, but when you read it, you, it will remind you of what I'm talking about. And so sometimes can help because especially if you're not a, 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 a not, I can't say a good reader, but read you often because the mm -hmm. people read you often also, I, I think they also miss a lot because whatever they, they read so fast and they only got the, the main idea of the book, but the detail, they don't. And that's why sometimes if you can read, I think the detail is like decoration of the cake. Because you can eat, you can eat the piece of cake, right? But if you have no decorative like chocolate or cream or top on top of that, the cake tastes plain. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So so you read the book. It's good to read details too, besides just the main yeah. idea. 
Excellent. Paul is a Paul is a musician. He's a great trumpet player, and um, he lives up in up in Jacksonville, where I just came back from, or near Jacksonville. Paul, is your wife doing better? Um, actually, we are um, under COVID quarantine for the second time in the last month. Oh my so goodness! We wow. are. Um, she had a slight fever today, but we don't know whether it's COVID related or exactly what it is. But we've had one family member after another uh, go down with it and come back from it. So uh, that's limited me on a number of activities. Um, oh, Anna, one more quick thing. You very much value education. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate that because friends of mine that have come over from Bangkok to the United States, uh -huh. I mean, they will work their fingers to the bone to take advantage of the education opportunities we have over here. And oh, I appreciate yeah. that because you've done that too. Right. Well, some people don't appreciate ed education, but I think that if more people learn how to appreciate education, it takes you a long way far ahead and understand life more also. Because if you, if you don't get much education, you can learn more about what life is all about. And each day is the experience go forward. Yep. Yep. Paul Kurtz, thank you a lot, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I do have a question for Anna, though. Um, just out of curiosity. Did you Where are you from, Miss Tasha? Um, Florida. Nice. I haven't met you. Well, welcome to the program. Go ahead, Miss Tasha. Um, I... Out of uh, curiosity, do you still remember how to read Vietnamese Braille? Yes, I could, some, not all of them, but I, I haven't read for so long. But I, if I see some in front of me now, I, I probably can still remember. So do I. So but I, I but when I talk, I can't talk fluently though. I have right. to think. <laughs> right. So Tasha, you're from Vietnam as well. Yes, I am. How excellent. Excellent. From north or the south, Tasha? South. Nice. And how long have you been in the States? 30 years. Nice. Uh, you, know, you know Vietnamese Braille? Yes, I do. Oh, let's see. Yeah, I, I see the accent mark sometimes. I think I still remember it. <laughs> it yeah. it's, just, it's just really hard to find Vietnamese Braille now, though. I can't find yeah. it anywhere. Yeah, I can't find it anywhere either. So, do you know? Do you know how to cook Vietnamese food? Uh, I I know some. I I know how to cook rice, and I know how to cook pho. Wow! You're all all to... you need is just egg noodles, boil, and they put the beef broth in, and scallion, mushroom, pepper, herb, and it tastes yummy. You're gonna have to teach me how. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm sure you cook better than me. Mm, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. What what part of Florida, Miss Tasha? I'm actually from Daytona Beach, Florida. Excellent. Well, excellent. We are so glad you called in. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. Well, it Mr. was nice talking to you, Anna, and hopefully we get a chance to meet again. Yeah, good to talk to you, too, and thank you for talking to us. Excellent. Mr. Rick? Debbie Grubb, please. 
Hi, Anna. My name is Hi. Debbie, as you probably heard, and I, like you, was an English major. So I was hoping you could tell us just a little bit about how, what you did to write your book. I know you had those memories in your mind and your heart and all of that, but did you, did you write it first in French or Vietnamese? Did you have a person helping you with editing? I'm just really curious to know, because I'm okay, so anxious to read it about that. How you, the mechanics, okay, how this, you put it together. Okay, this is how I started. I got my notebook and I wrote everything in Braille first. So mm -hmm. after I, I did that, I type it out on a regular typewriter as I read it from the Braille copy. So this way, if I want to change any words or any spelling, I, well, when I wrote it in Braille, I don't spell everything out. I shorthand it. Sure. So, so, but when I type it out, then I can remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> okay, one thing that um, in the book, if you remember that I had the surgery in my eyes, and expected yes. to see again. So my hope was very excited that I could, that if I open my eyes I, right now, I can see everything that you immediately say, oh, wow, really neat. So anyway, when I did it, <clears throat> and so that's why I had this thing on one part of it. It says, I feel like a bird perching on top of universe and begin to smile. I smile with mountain, I smile with the sea, and smile with everything around me. That's beautiful, Anna. That is just beautiful. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I, I do how, remember. How did That's you get your book? How did you get your book published? Okay, so um, I wrote uh, that. My friend told me that Aan Balker in New York. That's where you wrote to have information, and then I got the book. It says all the different writers and publishers around the country. So I got the Adam Press in, in Chicago and I sent him a copy and I asked for the price, how much would it cost to print it out? So that's how I got it out. But you send the you send your name and the application from and Balker, New York, mm -hmm. and apply and get that form for the patent patent thing. And then they send it to the Congress. My, my book is also at the Library of Congress in Washington. Congratulations, so, Anna, that's wonderful. Yeah, so, so they will enter for you. Adam Press entered the, um, for me at the Library of Congress. And, has, and so everything is done just right. Well, I'm so happy for you and happy for all of us, dear, that we get to read it and experience along with you. So thank you so much for living such a meaningful life and for being and for acknowledging kindness, because I think sometimes we don't do that enough in these days. So thank you so much for your oh, warmth you and your much. kindness. Appreciate it well, so you. much. Well, you, you two are kind to listen to us. Well, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. Thanks, Debbie. Mm -hmm. So, Anna, in terms of um, in in terms of adjusting, what was what do you think was the hardest thing for you adjusting to being at the Perkins School? What was the hardest? Well. It's not really the hardest thing that can I do because all the children there were willing to help us to get along. 
if I don't know anything, they'll they'll tell me. And the only thing that I, I didn't like a lot was this cold weather and the snow. Because <laughs> we, we don't have any of it now. So and we are all the bulky sweater and jacket and boots and I said, Oh my god, is it if the house mother said, Oh, you gotta wear the jacket, oh you got your boots on, I feel it's so so uncomfortable and just something I don't like too heavy stuff on me. So they have to wear so much. So that's the only thing that it took me quite a while to can adjust it to the cold weather. And I gather at least snow. at the beginning, at least at the beginning, you didn't love the food either. Yeah, the food, it was, the food is not too bad because we ate some, some similar thing in Vietnam. So it's not that bad. But the, but the mashed potato, and those, we cook differently, but it's still meat, you know, so we, we it, yep. I have no problem of, of eating the food. Miss Cherry, do you have a question before well, I? Well, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking, um, it's interesting. Anna, you came to Perkins in the fall of 63, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm just thinking about the difference that that was such a tumult, such a, a tumultuous. I'm not sure that's really the right word that I want um, year because you hadn't been here long when uh, President Kennedy was assassinated. And right, because yeah, I remember that day because other other kids around the school keep saying the president was assassinated and died. But we have no idea why he died and why did they kill him. And so all the kids were trying to tell us, of course, we didn't know much English at that time. So we didn't understand exactly what they're trying to say. But if they tell me now, I probably understand more, <laughs> you know. I guess what I'm wondering is in a, such, a close, such a close knit community as Perkins was, um, why it if it if it was a little bit different in and maybe you might have noticed it in later years that i think that the kennedy assassination brought a, a different attitude to so many of us for a long time after that kind of like what happened after 9 11 there was kind of a resurgence of people reaching out to one another and a resurgence of Patriotism, if you will, um, right. and I'm wondering if if you noticed the difference, you know, between '63 and '65, for instance, in people's um, reaction to you, and later when we were so busy protesting the war in Vietnam, and and that um, how our political views at that time, I guess, may have how they they appeared or affected you? Nothing affected me because I was still young and I didn't, I was not too much interest in politics. And I learned later that President Kennedy died from being uh, assassinated, but because I was not too interested in, in politics in those days. So I was more interested in school and in study. So I have no idea what would be affected on me if you if the the, the kids there do not affect me anything either because they don't they don't talk much about it and they don't 
says, oh, are you sad because Kenny died? Or what do you think about people that kill him? They, they don't say much about it at all. So I didn't get to know much about it either until later that I learned why he was killed. Uh, that's, that's interesting. It's also interesting because particularly in South Vietnam, um, I mean, there, there, there was a lot of assassinating going on there too. A lot of political leaders were getting killed. And, right. And, well, and that so, one of them was President Modi Jim. He exactly. And, yeah. Yes. But it didn't, it didn't dawn on me too much because, like I said, I was not too interested in the politics or no fighting and everything. I was more interested in why are they fighting? And, and the, all I know is that hey, the French people want to take over the country. And so... It is always the, the war between people. All we want more than other people. So I, so it was not too much interest in it. It was not affected me much at all. That's so in, go ahead, Jerry. <clears throat> no, that's fine. Go ahead. So in 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 high school, when you got uh, to the point where you're going to graduate. Did you and Teresa graduate at the same time? Yes. Yeah, we all and, graduated in 1970. Uh-huh. And, and um, did, you, um, did you go up on the stage to get your diploma and that kind of stuff? Or? Oh, yes. We walked up the stage. Nice. Nice. Did, and and uh, did, I think some of the people who had, who had helped you in Vietnam were there. I mean, people helped me from Vietnam. Let's see. That was, We're at your graduation. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, it, it, Mrs. Morton and her children uh -huh. were there. Uh-huh. And Lance and Kristen were there. So so that was nice because Morton, Colonel Morton, the original one, he was the one that went to, that we met in Saigon in Maria Dai School. And he was the one that initiated uh going around and tell the different people to come to visit us. For instance, uh, Major Furman. He said, he would also say, you know, that he might come back to the troop and say, oh, gee, I just went to school today with all the children, uh, about eight, nine children in school. And you should go see them. They are wonderful. <laughs> they play piano, they play this. So then, so then they would say, oh, when, we, when they are free, they would come to visit. So, we, so we, we had quite a few of them come to visit us and once in a while. And so, he, he, so Colonel Morton was really a main star. He went around to talk to different people about us. And, his, and then his wife, Lillian Morton and, and um, her two children came to our graduation at Perkins. One of the one of the things that you guys will find when you read the book is that these guys didn't just sort of raise money and get Anna and Teresa to Massachusetts. Um, they remained friendly with them. They invited them to their houses for Thanksgiving and other holidays, um, and and really continued um, to be interested and and helpful long after you guys came to the states. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, the idea is that they don't just take you here and drop you like that. They continue to follow up how well you do in school. 
and they would get the report from Perkins to see how we uh, how well. And they, for one thing bad about me that I didn't like to <laughs> to go to a play cards with a group of people on Saturday. So they would write in the report and say, Anna does not socialize too much with the other people. So so then they they would call me up and say, oh, how come? I say, I don't know. It's just the right to sit around just playing cards. <laughs> so, so that was one thing that, so they keep up. The idea that they keep up the follow up to see how well we do and not passing around. And then after you graduate, what, where do you go? What, you, what your aim is? And, and they make sure that we're well taken care of. Like for Thanksgiving, you have a place to go and Christmas and vacation during summer. So we don't have to stay there. We can go home with Claremont or sometime if the Morton is around, they'll take us to Hawaii when they, where they live. So we had the opportunity to travel to Hawaii a lot more than some other people don't get. And we I have- still love to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. But not only that, but we went wherever they are because they're military, they move around. So when they, yeah. they come back from Thailand, they went to Virginia and we went there. And so we had an opportunity to see Washington and a statue of different, like Abraham Lincoln yep. and, the, and the History Museum and Lillian Montagas everywhere. And if anything that she, we can touch, we touch and we don't touch, she'll, she'll, she'll read to us what it's about. And that's how we learn a lot of stuff from, from people like that. But the idea that they keep up, they don't just drop us here until after we, we settle, we, we graduate and then we get married and now they say, okay, you settle, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a very nice of them. And uh, and a lot of people out there are like that too. We see a lot of them that are willing to help yeah. people. And that, I guess. and that must have been really important. And I mean, the early 1970s were a pretty crazy time around here. So yeah. that must have been, you know, really made, made you feel that much more a part of their families even. Um, yeah, especially we don't have the family. So when people come and say, oh, you can come to my house for Thanksgiving. Uh, when you come home this week, you got two or three months off of vacation here. And then they try to arrange us to go to a different camp in the summer. That's another education place because we have no home. So Perkins uh, will arrange learning about different camp. And that's where they sent us to Camp Allen, New Hampshire. This is where I learned all about swimming and trampoline, jump up on the trampoline <laughs> and uh, partying in, in the woods, camping in the woods. You know, the, it was so it was very very interesting. Yeah, I I I I think it also says says a lot for a commitment of of folks who, you know, we we don't we at least I haven't often seen that kind of commitment. Most of the time, it's you know if if I can if I can just just give something or put a little money aside, that's easy to do. But the kind of commitment that those folks made uh, to kind of keep an eye on you guys and watch you grow was was pretty amazing. I've been waiting patiently. <laughs> you, that's hard for you, Cotty. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> but I did it. Okay, yes. so I was a teacher in an adult education school, and many of my students were from China and Vietnam. They, and most of them learned English or some English in their countries, but it was mostly reading and writing. So they were very good at grammar. <laughs> and they yeah. were, you know, but when they came here, it was difficult for them to understand English and to speak English. So Anna, what did you do? Was English difficult for you to learn? And what did you do to help yourself learn the English language? Well, I had a very good introduction from the uh, American ladies in Saigon. So mm -hmm. I was not too, it was not too hard for me to learn English. Mm -hmm. And also most of the English words are very similar to French and Spanish. Oh yeah. So, so it was easy for me. And for instance, if you say, habla español, okay, that is, that's mm -hmm. in Spanish. But if you say parlez-vous français, parlez means to talk. So it's it's similar. Or you yeah. say va, you say va mean go. Donne va, uh -huh. where are you going? Well, in French you say où et va, where, where you go. So so that's why it was not hard for me. And also I also learning. Um, I'm always curious. So every every book I got, I was always reading and try to understand what that word means. Mm -hmm. So it. It's very good for me, very easy for me. And probably when you went to high school and college, you had opportunities to speak English with the other kids. Right, yes. Mm -hmm. And all my classmates, uh, we worked together. Mm -hmm. Okay, the teacher at Emmanuel College, um, they have like the, the, Western Civ the Western socialization has 300 of us together. Wow. We all we wow. sit in a big hall, like, in mm -hmm. a hall like a, like a theater. But the teacher had a blackboard on the top on the front and write all the things I think that she wanted to remember. Well, in my case, my the one who would be sitting next to me would tell me what the teacher is. She said too, she said it out loud to besides, but also if I don't remember, she will she'll tell me what the words or what she yeah. tried to want you to remember on the blackboard. So we're helping each other like that. And then if I have homework to do, a bunch of us will go, like some of them will go into my room and study together. So that helps a lot. Besides, I listened to the recording. At that time, I sent all my books to the recording for the Brian New York, or the textbook, and they would record it on, on the tape for me. So I'll listen to that too. So. It, so I had um, more than one way to study. Wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. Connie, thank you for your question. It was a good one. Thank you. Anna, yep. do you Anna, do you still speak Vietnamese? Because <coughs> um, one of the things I remember from Camp Allen is that you mentioned that your name, Anna Kimlon, was not your Vietnamese name. That, you know, you, you go with the, the last name first and then the first name. Do you speak still speak Vietnamese or or yes. you practice it with yeah, that? Yeah, I yes, I still can say something. Yeah, so in uh -huh. Vietnamese, the name Win it come first, right? So your last name first, and then your name. That's like, right. Yeah, so so that's you how told me that you told me that when I was about thirteen. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah I, mean, I remember those things. Yeah, yeah, you do. 
See, yeah. now that's another example. If you tell the children anything, they usually remember for a long time. Yeah. Well, it's true. You know, I think that you and Teresa made a big impression on me. I don't think I knew much about the war, you know, at that time, but I was yeah. so fascinated by the fact that you and Teresa were Vietnamese um, at the time, and I really wanted to know as much as I could about you. Oh, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I hope I could get in touch with you. I don't know how to, but maybe somebody can uh, write me and let me know. Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, I'll be happy to hear from anyone yeah. to, write to write to me and I'll answer you know, thank you or so any much. Question, anything? Yeah. yeah. Teresa, Teresa, do you have an email address? I mean, Anna, do you have an email address? Oh, yes, I have um, AKLM. AKLN? 675367. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, 675367.gmail.com. Oh, you're a Gmail person. Yeah. All right, well, I'll listen to the recording and I'll get it somehow. Thank you so much, Anna. It's really oh, been good a pleasure. To talk to you. Yeah, it's good to know people from my past. <laughs> Can you talk Vietnamese? Can you say anything Vietnamese? Huh, pardon? <laughs> Can you say can you say anything in Vietnamese? No, I don't think I remember anything. You might have taught me something back then because I know I was really <laughs> fascinated, but I don't recall. I just remember both you, know, you and Teresa very well. You know. Uh, okay. Ciao. Thank that you so much. Bye bye. Ciao. I mean bye bye. Yep. Terry, <laughs> you have a chance for one last question, and then I have one. Um, no, you can go first because then I have one thing I'd like to say at the end. All right. So my my question is, once you got the book published and once it got out there, um, what kind of what kind of impact did it have? Did 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 people get in touch with you? Um, what what was the result of publishing the book, if any? Oh, yes. Um, oh, my book went very far. We got some in Israel because the, the reason for that was I have friends from different countries. Mm -hmm. So they got my book and give it to their library. I have in the Australia uh -huh. and I have in uh, Vietnam, in Vietnam. I have in uh, England, in different countries that, because I know some people over there. That's excellent. Uh, that's <laughs> excellent. It makes a huge difference um, when when you actually publish something and it does make a difference and you can spread the things that you want people to know um, because you're able to put it onto paper and and uh, get it published. Have you had a chance to read the version that was published by um, by, by Kim at at uh, at Perkins? Kim, uh, what's the name of the book? No, have you had a chance to read the version of your book, the, the audio version of your book? Oh, oh not published? yet. Yeah, not, not yet. Not yet? Not yet. Very good. I got Ms. a cassette, though. I yeah. have a cassette, the original cassette. Ah, there you go. There uh -huh. you go. So you have the original recording. So you'll yes. have to compare them and see which is better. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah, maybe I have to call them up and ask them for it, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Miss Terry. Well, I would just like to say that I happen to know that the class, the Perkins class of 1970 chose as its motto from the great poet, from also from New England, Robert Frost, was the road 
the road not taken. And for those, uh, most people, I think, know about the two roads yes. in the poem. A s- snowy wood. But yes, but what's what I want to say is that Anna has certainly taken an awful lot of roads, and I don't think there are too many that she hasn't taken. Um, You're right. And I just want to thank her so much for ending up in a place where we all have gotten to get to know her better and see how happy everyone's contributions can make someone. Right. Yeah, you are right. Yep. And I absolutely agree. Anna, if if you have a final thing you want to say, you have about 45 seconds. I just want to say thank you for everybody listening to us tonight. And I appreciate for being so patient listening to my uh, talking. And I hope to talk to, to hear from you again. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, I have truly enjoyed delving more into your story, Anna, and getting a chance getting a chance to, to know you a little bit better. Um, I am looking forward to the chance when we can all get together again to, sudden, to, to finally being in the Boston area and getting a chance to meet you in person. Yeah, if I, that'll, be, that'll be fun. If I, if I get up there, I will invite you out to have to have lunch or supper with me, and I would be honored if you would do that. Sure. And Excellent. I'll, I'll, I'll be so uh, thankful that you would be interested in inviting us to share, Absolutely. To share with you. Yeah, the, and I, I, and I, the fellowship. Yeah, I think I'd let I think I'd let Dick come as well. ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for tuning in to Tuesday Topics it's been a joy Uh, we learn by discovering what we don't know as well as by affirming what we do good night